Now, something you may or may not know is that on any given Sunday, the congregation, the church, the priest, we don't choose what scripture lessons are going to be read, that those are assigned by committees years and years ago and set up in a calendar we call the lectionary. And so even though this is the Sunday for the Indy 500, and most of the time it would be fairly predictable that this lesson would fall on the Sunday, I bet the committee had no idea that they were including in the gospel reading a race. Because, as you may have noticed, the person who needed healing said someone always beats them out to get into the pool of water, that there's this bizarre race towards healing that is the context of this entire encounter between Jesus and this unnamed person. So I think it might be helpful for you to understand what kind of race this is that the, the man in need of healing referred to. Picture uh, a pool of water sort of like the reflecting pool in Washington, D.C., though not quite that big, but a shallow body of water that from archaeological work looks like it was rectangular and fairly formal looking, and fairly large. Now, a big body of water like that would occasionally be stirred into ripples by a breeze coming through, let alone a high wind, which could really move that, that around. And by the time that Jesus was walking on earth, there was a, a tradition of folk belief that if someone was the first one to get into that water to put a toe in it or perhaps dive in, if they were the first one, then they had the chance of being supernaturally healed. That God would bless them in a way that their physical need would be taken care of. Now that may sound like an off-the-wall thing to believe, to create a folk belief like that. But if you look, for instance, at our first two readings today, you can be reminded of how often we as humans just naturally find bodies of water to be holy places. That in the first reading, when Paul was trying to figure out where to find where someone might pray outside the city, they went to a river because they figured, well, that's where people will be literally inspired to pray to whatever God they may believe in because of that, that power of moving water. And in the book of Revelation reading, there was the whole story of this holy river. So it's not a shock that someone came up with a belief about the moving water being holy water. But there's an, another reason as well that particularly in the Gospel of John is relevant. Because if you remember how the Bible starts, the book of Genesis, the very opening verses, the story of creation, you may remember that the world, the universe, the cosmos was without form, and then God started to create, and one of the very first things that, that is described is God dwelling over the water as a spirit. And so out of that verse, there is an image that rabbis and just regular everyday folks had used for years and years and years of that, that what that would have looked like is the ocean with ripples in it that 
The Spirit of God would not have been visible in any way except in that movement of water. So, okay, there's a reason to think water movement is indicative of the Holy Spirit. But then there's another reason as well. In the Gospel of John, the one that this reading comes from, it starts the Gospel with a very explicit reference to Genesis. It starts with the same words, in the beginning. In John, it starts talking about the Christ. Genesis, of course, talking about creation. So John has already used the direct connection with creation to start to make his points, to teach us about who Christ is. So all that comes together into this race day outside of the temple in Jerusalem. And the water starts to move, people rush towards it, and the main character in this morning's story besides Jesus never wins that race. 38 years of racing towards that water. He never comes in first. Picture your favorite failing race car driver. You can put his or her name on it. This is the, well, I won't even name because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> this is the failing race car driver who never crosses the finish line first. So, Jesus comes to there. He often goes to the temple for the festivals, as it's mentioned in this morning's gospel. He encounters this person who's been there for 38 years, and he asks that person, do you want to be made well? And if you notice the response of the person, it's not yes. It's instead, I don't have anyone to carry me to the water. As Ben and I talked about in the podcast for this week, this fella was looking at this strapping carpenter from Galilee and thinking, you could carry me to the water. And then my plan of being healing could be fulfilled because your strong legs and back could get me there faster than any of these people in need of healing. So you could almost see this person's plan coming together. That his hope for 38 years of getting first in the water could be fulfilled by having a sort of caddy get him there, or maybe a race car, get him to that water first. But Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's get ready, and as soon as we feel a breeze, I'll scoop you up and we head down there. Instead, Jesus says, get up, walk, take your mat, get out of here. And of course, it works. This is a fantastic image for us. And one of the things to know in the Gospel of John is there are very, very few miracles. And so whenever there is a miracle, it's always to tell us something about the Christ and something about our relationship with God. And I think what this one is really trying to emphasize is the question, do you want to be made well? And that's a tough one, because we get used to our brokenness. We get used to our weaknesses, our inadequacies, the way in which we can't quite get stuff done, however we may see ourselves as less than perfect. We get used to that, and we should. We need to make allowances for whether or not we can reach the top shelf or fix the plumbing. We shouldn't do what we cannot do. But what Jesus is talking about here is wellness, is being whole, not being perfect, not suddenly becoming superhuman, not getting wonderful powers, but instead being closer to God. 
being more intimate with God, making ourselves vulnerable with God. And remember, this story, in a sense, refers twice to passages in the Scripture which have in the beginning as their opening line. This story is about new beginnings. This person in this story, after all, had been waiting for healing for 38 years. That life was beginning afresh. In the beginning, this person took up the mat and started walking. What we have to be careful about and knowledgeable about, as in self-aware, is each day of our lives, God is giving us that same offer of, do you, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be well deep down within your being? That is the question each of us receives, because each day we probably need a little boost in that category, if not a completely new beginning. And what this story also tells us is that all of the best laid plans we have for trying to achieve that and get that all on our own, as this person had been there for 38 years, had the plan, we have to set that aside. We have to let go of our expectations of how we get to the point of being the best person we can be, what steps we have to take, what are the mini goals as well as the grand goal. Let go of all that and just see and hear and live out what Christ gives us on this day to be whole and holy. Some days it will be take up a mat and start walking. Other days it might be something completely different. God knows what we need to be the best person we can be on any given day. God knows better than we do, and that's really annoying. We'd much rather be able to have our own plan and be able to fulfill that and feel like we're accomplishing something. But the major point of this story is to let us know that, no, God knows better. And even the most basic, agreed-upon folk wisdom, like if the water moves, get in it and you'll be healed, can be inaccurate or at least insufficient. We have to be open to the new beginning. We have to be open to the words that Christ speaks to us. We have to be open to winning the race in a way that we didn't think was possible. And then we are freed because we no longer have to worry about winning. We no longer have to worry about being the first because the other great thing about God's love is there's enough love for absolutely everyone ever. We don't have to be first. We don't be, have to be in the top ten. We don't have to get the best grades or the biggest promotion or the highest income or whatever it is we think helps us be real and winners and genuine and respected. We get to let go of all that and simply say yes. Yes to being whole. Yes to being holy. Yes to being loved. And then that frees us to love, to love deeply and generously in the way that God loves us so that the world may be changed for the better. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.